Okay, everyone put their uh, podcast faces on. We're oh. doing this. You're listening to The Atomic Geeks, a podcast covering movies, TV, comic books, video games, and everything in between. So geeky. Oh, hello, Internet. It's your friend Christian in his underground lair in the Shangri-La that is Oakville, here to host another fantastic episode of the Atomic Geeks podcast. In my hand, I've got a beer that's freezing my arm right up to my shoulder. It's an old Milwaukee ice, and boy, it's tasty. Let's see who else is drinking tonight on this podcast, Eve. Well, hey, 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 it's uh, Michael DiGiovanni. I'm getting sassed here in Toronto. That's because I'm drinking a very tasty, very malty, and very dark 10W30. Isn't there some kind See? of brand conflict there, possibly a lawsuit, maybe? <laughs> no, that's a WD30, I think, is what you're thinking of. WD40. Oh. WD40. It's a play on words. Oh. Because it's a dark beer. And it tastes like oil. <laughs> <laughs> Now, you'll, you'll notice I was being quiet and not jumping in because you're asking who else was drinking tonight, and what a surprise. I'm not. Oh. Um, but I did have beer last night uh, when we first attempted this, but tonight it's Andrew Bloom calling in sans alcohol from London, Ontario, and I'm drawing up a picture of my favorite pair of underpants. <laughs> Not yeah, quite boy. sure what that means. Yeah. But. It was going to be a superhero costume, but I didn't get very far before we started. Yeah, cause so as far as I got was my underpants. Yeah, because a sober bloom's the most funnest bloom. Oh, yeah. boy. Uh, usually at, at this point in the program, you hear the uh, lovely, sweet sounds of uh, Michael Downs telling the stories about Halifax. But unfortunately, uh, due to technical complications, uh, we actually tried to do this show last night, but we're unable to do so. So we had to call in someone from uh, the minor leagues to come up once again to take Mike's place. And his name is Mark Darius. Hey, hello, Mark. Oh, this time I know I'll get to stay for good. <laughs> <laughs> I can just feel people's disappointment as they realize Downs didn't make it again. you got to deal with this, this friggin' sub. Anyway, I'm uh, I'm not drinking either. I've been scrounging what? through all my liquor cabinets, and all I have are like ancient bottles of rum from uh, like Mexican resorts that I wouldn't actually trust. So I'm <laughs> I'm drinking apple juice. Jesus Christ! <laughs> Looks like it's you and me, Joe. Let's get wasted. I'll, I'll act progressively more uh, random though as the night goes on. I'm more intrigued by the fact that you actually mentioned you have lip- liquor cabinets plural. So when do we get invited to your Christmas party? Well, there's the the public one, and then there's my secret one in my office. (laughs) And then there's the bathtub. Yeah, I was going to say, he stores the beer in the back of the toilet. That's his other (laughs) liquor cabinet. Yeah, and then there's one behind the ceiling tile. (laughs) See, part of the romance of owning your own business is, like, I've I've always felt you should have a flask of something in a drawer. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so I have the flask. I just don't have anything in it. I thought that was a good idea, too, at my last job. <laughs> yeah, used to be a flask and a forty-five. Now it's just a flask. I'm smart. See, I usually, uh, I always think of it more for like safety purposes. That like, you know, you bring along a flask of alcohol in case of a snake bite, and in my, and, and in most cases, also bring along a snake. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cycle. 
or at least bring one of those dogs with the barrels around it neck, its neck. So if you get buried in an avalanche, <laughs> it can uh, warm you up with that. I love that dog from the uh, the Looney Tunes. The guy that would uh, the, the the what Saint Bernard that would Saint Bernard. Up, the the hills, hills, and then he'd make the little martini, he'd put olives in it, and then he'd drink <laughs> it himself and leave. <laughs> God help me if I had a dog like that. I'd be driving to snowbanks every chance I got. <laughs> Whoa, another one. <laughs> Hook me up, Rover. <laughs> um, before we get into the, uh, the the fabulousness that is tonight's topic, uh, does anybody have a bit of those geek news to take a bit? Well, one thing I wanted to bring up, Christian, and I think we've all seen it, uh, just recently released was a trailer for Kick-Ass. Um, did you guys all see this? Yes. Yes, I've seen that. Now, this looks like, uh, and Deidre, I think you were saying it's gotten a little bit of hype. And uh, this is another, I don't know if it's a spoof superhero movie or not, but it, it looks uh, kind of intriguing. Uh, sort of ask the question, why hasn't anyone in real life ever tried to be a superhero? Well, this is based off of uh, Mark Miller's and John Romita Jr.'s uh, comic book of the same name. And... Uh, the, it's directed by this project's directed by Matthew Vaughn, who also did Neil Gaiman's Stardust, and he did. Did he do? He didn't do Sexy Beast, did he? Did, or did he do Gangster Number One? I can't remember. But he's a British director. He so believed in this movie that they actually independent uh, they independently financed it and made it before they actually had a, a studio involved. They uh, apparently after they screened footage of it and they, they screened footage of it at the san diego comic-con that uh, of this past year it was the reaction to it was so great that apparently studios were like fighting to get to the uh, the distribution rights of this mm-hmm. uh, film so there's a really good buzz about it real discerning crowd to screen it in front of i think uh, i think the atomic geeks film company did put in a bid for that of like two beers a shoe and some lint well, I don't think we got it. And a guest appearance on our podcast. <laughs> yes, you can come in and we'll give you a T-shirt. <laughs> but, I mean, I, Andrew, the, when you're talking about it as a spoof, I mean, for I, I have read the comic book, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, it definitely hits the right tone for anyone that has read this book. It, like, to your point, uh, it is basically the idea of a kid who decides, set in the real world, who's a big comic nerd, not quite unlike some of the Atomic Geeks, and decides, hey, man, I'm going to go out and get a costume, and I'm going to try to fight some crime, and I'm going to set up a MySpace page, and blah, blah, blah. So it goes from there, and it gets very ultra-violent. But it is, I, I think the scene that you see in this teaser is lifted directly from the opening pages of the uh, the first issue of the comic book series. So it's very close in tone, but, uh, yeah, it does have sort of a, uh, it seems a little satire-ish yeah, not, of the yeah, superhero not necessarily genre. Spoofy. Yeah, not necessarily spoofy, but definitely has a good sense of humor that you see in the trailer. If uh, if anyone out there who hasn't seen it, I'd suggest picking it up, even if you're not a, or picking it up, seeing it, if you're, even if you're not a comic book fan, it looks like it's going to be pretty good. And when, for what little I've seen of that freaking comic book, uh, it's, it ain't shy with the violence, let me just say that. Well, that's something that, I mean, obviously this is a, a real teaser. They don't show you a whole hell of a lot. Uh, I must. I would 
pretty much assume there's going to be one of those fancy red band trailers that'll probably launch soon because they're going to show that this is a balls to the wall bloody gore fest at times it's pretty relentless the comic book and i've heard that they've stayed pretty close to that uh but it's it's a great uh, it's a pretty great concept. Uh, they got a really good director if you um, uh, with Matthew Vaughn, uh, and they've not a bad little cast. That uh, you know what what's his head? Uh, I love from, what's his head from Superbad. What you, uh, <laughs> McLovin. McLovin is in this as one of the characters too. He plays the Red Mist. So is it rated yet? I believe that it's got a, a hard R. I think it's actually okay. rated Superbad. Apparently. <laughs> it's rated awesome. <laughs> but I also will throw a quick plug out, though. If you haven't read the uh, the comic book, which is published by uh, Marvel's imprint Icon, check it out because it's it's pretty it's quite good. It's on issue seven as of right now. And John Romita Jr. Just a little quick plug here. He's a fucking awesome artist. So I love JRJR. So yeah, I'm expecting I, I'm expecting good stuff on. I've read actually. There's been a few test screenings that I saw on AintItCool.com, and uh, people are saying there was that quote of one of the test screens said that this film is uh, as good or better than The Dark Knight for the superhero genre. It's taking Ooh. it. So Grant, I think it's saying they're take, <laughs> they're taking it into a very a different territory but it's at that level now i don't know if you want to trust on that the, on the level of dark knight that's a pretty big pancake to flip you ask me for grandpa <laughs> thanks grandpa but uh but also pancake. based on based on of course our, our our thoughts in this trailer we're also the same group that was waxing poetic about uh, where the wild things are uh, as well and some of us found that to be a total disappointment as well but you know what we'll we'll at least come out and be honest the fact that i was very excited to see that movie and terribly disappointed so no i'm just um, saying i mean saying you know those these trailers they're friggin they're like devils in disguises they can fool you real good <laughs> that's true just like, like beer goggles voice. for movies yeah it's true it's true <laughs> all right fellas uh well let's let's jump into uh tonight's cop uh topic i'm i'm excited i know you guys are um are you going to say tonight's cockpit? <laughs> <laughs> it's, and fly away for podcasting fun. <laughs> fly away to this topic. Okay. Um, for those of you who are not familiar with the, uh, episode 14, episode 14 was our first version of the show. We call this the Versus uh, episode, where essentially uh, I, as the host, uh, try and uh, create um, fights between various characters from various uh, geek discipline, so to speak, and uh, we discuss who would win in these fights, and, and what it comes down to is that we force these two people to fight, and there has to be a winner, and that essentially is the gist of the topic, isn't it? It's like Thunderdome. Two go in, one come out. So it's 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 not just to the pain, it's to the death? Well, I like to say... I, 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 <laughs> I, I, to I, a, maybe just to a, an ultimate victor. Yeah, that's what I like to say. I don't like to say to the death. I like to say more like to the winner, like who would win, <laughs> you know, Air quotes here, so to speak. Like God forbids, we we you know this podcast leads to one of the Golden Girls dying. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> oh, why don't I Golden Girls? Why didn't I think of that? Uh, but anyway, we we polled our vast uh, internet audience as well to give us ideas uh, for uh, some of the matchups for tonight's show. And I'm not. Uh, I'll mm -hmm. say up front, we I didn't ex I didn't basically. Uh, take any specific fights from our, any specific listener, but I, I, I did make some fights which I was inspired by some of these people's, uh, some of our listeners' ideas. So uh, you're saying their choices sucked? 
They're at home right now listening. Oh, <laughs> Christian, no. Okay, fellas, let's start with our first matchup. In the one corner, he's a shirtless barbarian from the land of Samaria. When he's not lopping off people's heads, he's worshipping Krom. I'm talking about Conan <laughs> the Barbarian. And in the other corner, from the planet of Eternia, his best friend is a green tiger and likes to scream his head off when he transforms from Prince Adam into He-Man, another shirtless barbarian. <laughs> Ring okay. that bell. Ding, ding. ding. <laughs> All right, uh, Andrew, what are your thoughts on this fight? Well, um, uh, well no, I, I'm surprised <laughs> you went you went to me, obviously, on this one. You know what? I think this is going to be one-sided. Although they're both shirtless barbarians, they both have um, swords. Only one of them really, truly has superpowers, and that would be He-Man, obviously. Um, I think, based on the fact that he-Man is gifted with the powers of Eternia or whatever the heck from the power of Grayskull. Um, he's going to outmatch Conan. I think it would still be a, a big blood fest. Conan obviously good with the sword, and Schwarzenegger's got the big muscles, or Conan from the comic book. Um, but he, it's He-Man for me, for sure. Is this thing on? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. So, uh, Andrew, I'm going to totally agree with you on this. You know, Robert E. Howard's Conan is, uh, he definitely plays in the sword and sorcery, uh, fantasy world. That's for sure. But you, you nailed it there. Like, and, uh, that he does not have superpowers. You, you know, Conan has the brawn, but He-Man has the looks and magic. Is, okay. is, is He-Man called He-Man the Destroyer? Oh no, that's Conan. Conan is called the Destroyer. Yeah, sorry, but, sorry. Continue. Oh, but, are you start? But, are you being sassy? But honestly, here, <laughs> like, let's. I mean, Conan is a badass. Don't get me wrong. Conan O'Brien. Uh, Conan O'Brien. Conan O'Brien. Conan. See how tall that guy is. <laughs> Look at that yeah. hair. <laughs> but Conan is a, a complete badass. I'm not gonna deny that. You yeah. know, and he is. Killed many an many an army in the uh, the glory of Krom. Like there's no question. But but He Man is actually got powers, which yeah. you know he had. And what powers he, does he have, dude? He has mystical. Strength. He has super strength. I. I but but, has he ever hurt anybody? Well, yes. Oh, that's a good point. But listen, <laughs> yes, listen to this. He's hurt some people. Have you he's fucking picked up Castle Grayskull once? The, the, but no, I, actually, that's a very good point because in, in the He-Man cartoon, do you actually ever remember seeing him strike somebody with that sword? Yes. I think he bitch slapped. No. I think it's more like a glow sword. It just sort of lights up the, the no, area. People, that sword has mystical elements, man. It can deflect energy. Like, it... The, it literally can deflect energy where fucking he's uh, Conan swinging a big fucking normal battle axe. Yeah, but I don't, don't, re I don't recall. I don't recall Triclops <laughs> running away from a friggin' uh, fight with He-Man due to blood loss. Okay, yeah, but, but you got to remember you're you you are looking back to the He-Man stories based off the cartoon. A little bit of a history note here, and I see if anyone recalls this when the the action figures first came out. They were accompanied by 
uh, little comic books. And, and in that time, he, uh, He-Man's story was a little different. He was actually a barbaria, a barbarian on Eternia from the Eternian tribes. Okay, and he survived the great wars after that that devastated the world. He was made to be a lot more ruthless. He then what was given as the sorceress gave him one of the last leftover mystical elements to defend uh, Grayskull against uh, Skeletor, who had the other half of the sword. When they did the cartoon, they reworked his origin to be a little bit more faggy and put fucking Prince Adam in work match his haircut. Yeah, so the I mean, actual original story of He-Man, he is more ruthless. There's actual like illustrated uh, companion books that came in with the action action figures. I just realized how big of a nerd you are. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> no, they like if Conan fought Prince Adam, he'll kick his ass. But I'm sorry, man, He-Man's got the power of the Grayskull. <laughs> Jesus, DJ, I got to give you credit for pulling that out for crying out because I was a big collector of the He-Man figures, probably a bit too I old at the time them. to collect them. But regardless, I had them. And I remember those little freaking comic books that came. You remember? Them. Yeah, I do, and I totally forgot about them. So because I think mm-hmm. all of us are basing it on the the filmation cartoon and not some stupid little comic book. But no, but his, that's what I'm saying. If you go back to, because really, if you go back to his original story, like, I mean, or his origins, that's where he came from. The cartoon kitted it up, and this is that, uh, you know, A-teamed it up, if you will, like where it's, yeah, he never hurt or killed anybody. But he, man, if he was put in that situation, he's, I mean, he has mystical elements and ma- and superpowers versus Conan's brawn. I don't. Got you, well, got you there. I will say, um, just to paraphrase a line from Unforgiven, it's a hell of a thing killing a man. He-Man's never done it. Conan's done it lots. Conan would win. But if it was just He-Man a, does not I, have it in him to kill somebody. If it was just a dr- knockdown, drag-out fight, and he didn't have to kill him, because you know at the end, he would, he, he'd stop and all the crowd would be like, no, kill him. Conan but would he, probably still kill him anyway, just because I don't <laughs> think he has that that control mechanism. You know, he doesn't really pull his swings. I'm not yeah. a big Conan fan necessarily, but I mean, Christ, He-Man was played by Dolph Lundgren. Conan was played by Arnold Schwarzenegger. Kind of true, but starts I mean, and ends there. For like me, if it was just if it was just based on the characters themselves, I would say Conan's probably a cooler character. And a, um, but just fa- the fact that He-Man's got powers. He's got to be. He's got to win. He's got. He would crush him. Yeah, well, he man's still a pretty cool character, though. Let's get. Let's give him some credit. I mean, not as okay. Not badass. Though. He's not like Conan is more badass. But that's like. Let's be completely frank here. That's like say, Batman is fucking more badass, but fucking Shazam has a lot more fucking powers. Like, let's be honest. <laughs> okay, so it's like right. sorry in a hand to hand fight. Like, Shazam's probably going to beat Batman. Like, you know, if you just thought Batman could figure out ways and be a little bit more ruthless, but Shazam has got... That's a bad example because everybody knows in any superhero fight, if Batman is one of the other other combatants, he Mm -hmm. always wins. Okay, bad example. Then let's say the Punisher then versus, you know, the... Superman. Batman. (laughs) (laughs) No way. 
Well, I mean, my thoughts in this fight is I based my thoughts in this fight uh, with basically was the, the the cartoon version of the He-Man and not the early uh, four-page graphic novel from the action figure pack. And um, I thought if I saw this fight happen, uh, essentially, I think it would be Prince Adam's first time realizing that you could actually cut someone with a sword for crying out loud. And I think he would get his ass handed to him. It's not like Conan... Uh, the barbarian hasn't fought things that are stronger or larger or more magical than him. He always seems to come out on top. And my vote would be with Conan the Barbarian. So what's oh, I think that's two, that's two and two, is it? We have it to get is. downs to vote. Uh, All right, no, line, well, I, I no. I, I've, I'm going to flip the uh, the magical uh, the Atomic Geeks uh, Fight Dome coin to to decide who wins. And uh, heads, it's He Man. Hooray! Hooray! I said heads if it's if it comes up, heads he man wins. It was Yay! Tails. Who cares? Conan wins. Oh. Two out of three. No. Yay. <laughs> Just keep flipping. <laughs> Forget keep flipping going that for. coin. All right. Let's get into our next matchup. Uh this is kind of a, a I'll hug, this is more like a warm up for actually we have a couple of uh Star Wars ones tonight. But anyway, let's start with the first one here. <laughs> They're a scavenging, pygmy, and rodent-like race inhabiting the desert planet Tatooine. You might know them otherwise as the Jawas. <laughs> and in the other corner, they're sickingly sweet, cute race of teddy bear hunter-gatherers that inhabit the forest moon of Endor. You know them as the Ewoks. Uh, let's get... Oh, wait, I can't say that. I'll Ring that see. bell! <laughs> <laughs> ding, ding ding. So uh, let's uh, hand the the, the 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 start this uh, fight off with uh, resident Star Wars uh, nerd uh, personified, uh, Mr. Mark Dury. Oh, boy. Well, oh, I'm sorry. I, I should I should make a point that this basically this fight is held in the uh, the Atomic Geeks uh, Super Fight uh, Biodome. So there are okay. elements of both environments within this dome. Thank you. The I was about to ask that. The desert and the trees. Yes, I'm thinking of everything. Don't you worry. Okay, so we're not we're not just thinking one Jawa versus one Ewok. This is no. sort of like a melee kind of. Yeah, let's make this like twenty on twenty. Let's make this a real bloodbath. And they can have weapons, whatever they're sort of. They have native. Their tra- I would say they would have yeah. their traditional weapons. Yes. Okay, well, I would have to go with Jawas then. What? Because they have laser blasters. What? Yeah, I got to actually use laser blasters. I know. Sure, yeah, they do. I know that the action figure came with a little pea shooter. But you never actually <laughs> saw them so little. use anything. Yeah. Well, if we want to start uh, quoting obscure uh, comic books from the past, you know, yeah. I can go there. But uh, uh, they're a sneaky, uh, rat-like bunch of fuckers. They, they can't be trusted. And apparently, uh, they're supposed to be pretty. Are. They're supposed to be pretty hairy under those robes as well. It would well, be the equivalent yeah. of like when the Spanish arrived in South America, like. Um, they would just conquer those silly, naive Ewoks very quickly. <laughs> I, I really think that's all there is to it. They, they, they have I, I, catapults I, second, and sticks for, and stuff like that. For a that, second there, I thought you were calling the, the, the Spanish uh, the, Sp- the Spanish a bunch of hairy bastards here for a second. There's a, whoa, <laughs> hey! <laughs> oh, he left that to you to say. Oh, well, edit that part out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I gather that I'm uh, I'm in the minority here. You guys all think well, you watch. you know what? I Duria, I can see your point, and I did think about this one a little bit, and I was kind of like, you know, Jawas are kind of tricksy and false, but they uh, <laughs> nerd. They I, I know they are just kind of like those 
scavengers where you get a band of Ewoks together and they're taking down the Empire. Like they have using the forest as their, you know, their weapon and everything like that. I think they're a little more vicious. I think they're a little more protective. That forest of isn't in the biodome. If there is a forest in the biodome, it's a desert forest tree area <laughs> that we specially set up for them. And I think they're a little meatier too. They, they, they might not have the reach, but they've got the weight advantage for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and they've got the experience of fighting with uh, Luke and Han and Leia. So I think, I think, well, uh, I think the Ewoks are, are definitely. I could see, yes, if it came down to clubs and smashing uh, logs together. Yeah, but uh, they create traps. And, like, you know, they would have logs that would swing and crush the poor little Jawas. See, Andrew, I have to totally agree with you on this. Because we, if we have to analyze a fight between the Jawas and the Ewoks, the only way we could, I could really figure this out is saying, what common foe did both of these two, uh, uh, what common foe did these two races both fight? And that was, my friends, the Stormtroopers, okay? What, as Andrew just alluded to, the Ewoks helped fucking take down the Empire. They were, they, they were knocking over Adat walkers. They were fucking throwing rocks and taking out When did the Jawas ever fight? I'll tell you when. They showed a bunch of, in, in New Hope, fucking Jawas were burned and left in dead bodies after the fucking... Oh, uh, those were sand that's people. That, those were sand people. That's, that. that's who they have to fight every day, these no, Jawas. That was the sand were, people. Those were, were Imperial people. troopers that no, actually... No, no, no. Those, those blasts were not that accurate. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. In the, in, the, in, the, in the movie, they said that sand people always walk single file to hide their numbers. And these were side-by-side tracks. Remember yeah. Obi-Wan? Yeah, before that's they from went Obi-Wan, to, who lies about everything. Before they mean? went to Aunt Beru's fucking house, the, the stormtroopers stopped off at one of the Jawas' fucking gigantic, I don't know, the shoe boxes that they drove yeah. around in. Luke's, and Luke's famous line in that one is, that means they go, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but those stormtroopers laid a beaten. They burned their carcasses. Ewoks are fucking playing the bongos with the stormtroopers' heads for fun. Yeah, if they have Chewbacca backing them up. Oh, but, come on, man. They're, they're, they're built, to Andrew's point, they're much more resourceful. All the Jawas are these little guys that are nothing more than pawn sale, uh, salesmen for the, in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. You know, the only thing they ever used that little uh, laser gun on was to, you know, to basically stop droids so they could grab them and scavenge them and sell them to the highest bidder. Like it's, I, I think the Ewoks got this. As much as it pains me to say that, I believe the yeah. Ewoks are going to put a beat down on the Jawas. They've got, they definitely have the height and weight advantage. I think. I think Ewoks are a little taller than the Jawas. Actually, no. According to, to my, actually, according to my internet research, they are they are roughly the same height between a meter and one and a half meters. Well, if you spike their hair, they could be tall. <laughs> yeah, but maybe the Jawas have, like, metal exoskeletons under their robes or something. You don't know. They could. They could. And we could just make up oh, everything. Here goes Dury again with the expanded universe. <laughs> and those robes are like Captain Caveman. They got everything in them. Listen, I read a book that was in the expanded Star Wars universe that told us that the Jawas are quite trained in jujitsu. <laughs> Well, I mean, uh, at, at my first impression uh, about this fight was that, oh, freaking the Jawas would most likely win. But when I think about it, you know, they were kind of what they exactly what they were. They're kind of like 
scavengy, rodent-like kind of sneaky little buggers. You know, they're not exactly a force to be reckoned with. I mean, uh, granted, we should not uh, d- d- dispute their resourcefulness and their ability to fight off sand people uh, every waking day during their uh, efforts to scavenge for droids across the planet. But I think the Ewoks seem a bit, a bit more robust and a little bit more primal, and they would probably overcome uh, the Ewoks, or the Jawas, I beg your pardon, in my opinion. So that looks yeah. like it's a it's a win for the Jawas on that round. No, no the Ewoks. Ewoks. Oh, sorry, the Ewoks. Sorry. Oh, yes. no. Sorry, I got those two confused because I don't like Star Wars. My name is Christian. <laughs> Ewoks, Jawas, whatever. Fuck, they're all the same. I think Down should be with me on this one. But, uh, <laughs> he probably would be, but he'd be wrong. <laughs> I don't. It's just that no no true fan ever wants to side. Star Wars fan wants to side with the Ewoks. Oh. But come on, man. Like maybe if you had them fight those. Uh, you know, if you is had, it a if, tickle fight? <laughs> it was a tickle <laughs> fight. Maybe if you had the Ewoks fight those little dwarfen-like creatures that were rebuilding droids on Cloud City. Uh, Do you remember Ugnaut. the pig faces? Ugnaut. Yeah. Yeah. What are they called? Ugnots. Now the Ugnots. See, that's a, if you yeah. want the short stature battle, but in the Star Wars mm. universe, if you put them against the Ugnots, the Ugnots are killing the Ewoks, as far as I'm concerned. But yeah. the Jawas, I don't know, man. I, I, I just don't, I, I don't see it. I don't know. I think the Jawas in their own little special kind of way were kind of cool with those glowing eyes and those dark cool. cloaks. It's a pretty, we're not pretty, talking were, about cool, though. Yeah, they're, they were totally Yeah, but we're there. not talking about goddamn Ugnaughts either. <laughs> I'm using a point of comparison. It always bothered right. me that there was, like, one Jawa whose eyes weren't, like, lined up correctly. Jim, could you put your mask on straight, please? We're filming. <laughs> Like, what happened to him? Jesus. I, 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 hey, Christian, I think we beat that dead Jawa enough. <laughs> that one special Jawa. What, what's his name again? Lefty? I don't know. Um, let's get to our next matchup. In this corner, a 1982 Pontiac Firebird Trans Am Black. No driver, but can speak to you like it was a real person. Otherwise known as Kit. The car from Knight Rider, the original series, not the new series. And in the other corner, a 1958 red and white Plymouth Fury. The radio station can only play the oldies, and it's possessed by some kind of demonic power. I'm talking about the car from Christine. Who's going to win this fight? Michael DiGiovanni! Well, uh, seeing as how, you know, we alluded to in our Halloween episode, how we're all a bunch of pussies with the exception of Downs here, uh, I'm not super schooled sorry, on the, sorry, I'm not super schooled <laughs> on the ways of Christine. And you know, and I, and you know what, the thought of a demonic car is a little, uh, discomforting. But, you know, Kent was built for action. It's a supercar. I mean, it can friggin', whether it has, Hasselhoff in the front seat or not, this thing is got can fire fucking missiles. Like I'm sorry, you know, demon or no demon, Christine's car is going down in a blaze of glory. Could it fire well, missiles? Think, I'm sorry. Did, did it fire it, missiles? Kit? I don't remember. It, it, it Responsive. Mm-hmm. 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 The in uh, one thing I'll, I'll say, DJ. The one thing we've learned from talking about the Halloween episode. And watching all those movies are the few that we did balls up to watch uh, with Jason and Freddie and Mike Myers is that evil, possessed things 
keep a coming. It doesn't matter what you do to them. They're going to find a way to keep trucking forward and coming to get you. Now, one thing I'll, like I'll argue, just based on structure of the vehicles, the older Pontiac obviously made maybe a little more solid. It's bigger. It's heavier. But really, when it comes down to it, it's possessed, man. Like, this thing is evil. Where Kit would maybe try to reason with it and be like, oh, sorry, you know, mm, don't hit me. But... <laughs> I think did he have a British accent? I don't know. He almost did. It, I think. Kind of, it wasn't a British accent. It was much like an uppity college professor asshole yeah. accent. Mm. Oh, Michael, you're so stupid! Don't you know where the fucking gas pedal is? <laughs> yeah, that's better. He was kind of condescending, wasn't he? <laughs> he was kind of a jerk. <laughs> There's a note here on Wikipedia about Kit's um, memory capacity. Oh no! It's 1,000 megabits. Oh no! <laughs> He could almost hold a no. He could hold a few songs. He's almost the size of my MP3 player. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We were so we're so computer smart in TV. Um, but I like I, I'll just, I'll stick by it and say that I think Christine because one of the powers and and Downs was talking to, to me about this or to all of us last night when we discussed it. Um, Christine can rebuild herself. Uh, you destroy that car, you blow it up, you do whatever. The, the bumper comes back. The front end rebuilds itself. It looks brand new again. So Kit is going to spend its missiles and try all its tricks and its, you know, snooty humor and whatever. Reason and just, reason with her. Reason. <laughs> well, like, we're both cars. We're both cars, okay? We don't need to fight. Take it easy. Take it easy. <laughs> oh, hello. You have nice nice color. You're, you're a lovely model. The power I, uh, of Christ compels you, stupid car. Yeah, I don't know if Christine would even bother with Kit at all, though. I think it, Christine really only cares for human blood or something, doesn't she? Maybe if she thought Hoff was in there. Maybe, <laughs> maybe Kit's been outfitted with holy water and a good spray. <laughs> out of the wipers. Yeah, out of the wipers for holy water. Yeah, I, I, that, my, my vote's for Christine. I think that's the key point, though. I think that because essentially Christine, like I've seen episodes where Kit has taken damage, you know, uh, you know whether it's you know a laser to the his laser or whatever. Kit can take damage, but Christine slowly keeps you know rebuilding itself. I think it's only a matter of time before Kit goes, you know, forget it. Memory functions. Grr, I love you. <laughs> that was an amazing moment, Dave, eh, for you, just like with acting there to Kit's death nail. Actually, I, I wrote that earlier today, and I prepared uh, all, all afternoon just for that In moment. In front of the mirror. Okay, be more car-like. sound rehearsed. Be more car-like. Uh, uh, uh. Christian, and for those of you listening, uh, casting directors, uh, Christian's uh, resume is available online. I'll put my He's headshot online. Yeah. <laughs> oh, look at his face. <laughs> Christian holding an old muffler and staring up to the sky. Christian appearing this week in Knight Rider, the musical. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Dury? I didn't hear what you thought about this fight. I'd have to go with Christine. Uh, you know, like uh, Bloom says, demonic forces, I think, kind of Trump. Uh, technology. Uh, yeah, 1980-something, imagine 2000 technology. One gigabyte. Of <laughs> gigabyte of memory. That's yeah, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll go with Satan. Yeah, I think that I think on this uh, today's episode, three out of four of us go with Satan. <laughs> the Atomic Geeks brought to you by Satan. <laughs> 
Okay, uh, let's get to our uh, extra special match. Uh, because we are an equal opportunity podcast, uh, we do have now our Lady versus Lady Battle. And here we go. That was it. That was like, I'm not going to sing anymore. (laughs) In this corner, she's a plucky reporter for the Daily Planet and is married to possibly one of the greatest superheroes of all time. I'm talking about Lois Lane. And the other corner. She's a plucky reporter for the Daily Planet and is married to possibly one of the greatest superheroes of all time. I'm talking about <laughs> Lois Lane. Now, to the listener, this might seem a little bit confusing right now, so let me just clarify things a little bit. Uh, the one Lois Lane, uh, will, in the one corner, uh, the first Lois Lane will be uh, Lois Lane as portrayed by Margot Kidder from Superman 1, 2, 3, and 4. And in the opposite corner... Uh, will be the Lois Lane, portrayed by Terry Hatcher from the television series Lois and Clark. Ring that bell! (laughs) It's like the Battle of the Veiny Arms. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. DiGiovanni, why don't you go first? Well, this is probably one of the major landslide victories of these all the fights that we're going to talk about tonight i just know i'm going to disagree with you now because <laughs> just just that just to have drama in this podcast he's going to disagree with me you're doing the downs part quite well uh margo kidder's version of lois lane was uh captured the spunkiness of lois lane uh to the t so to me there is no question that she is going to smack down fucking Terry Hatcher's poor excuse for a romantic comedy version of Lois Lane. Margot Kidder's was a, was a chain smoking at a time. <laughs> Lois Lane, who, you know, uh, had some balls, if I may say. This is the girl, if you remember, who threw a fucking punch at Ursula, one of the... Uh, you know the escaped criminals of the, from uh, Krypton. Where, she's where, got Moxie, kid. Moxie. This, this girl's <laughs> got Moxie for Christ's sakes, and you know she's got a voice like goddamn Kathleen Turner. Mm-hmm. Then you've got then you've got Terry Hatcher, who was you know relegated to fucking you know rom- romantic comedy antics on you know on a weekly basis with her kind of crappy version of Superman. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, Margot Kidder is cleaning the mat with Terry Hatcher. And then rolling and then- her up and smoking her. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> or oh, yeah. crushing her with an orange juicer. Yeah. Oh, fresh, sweet, squeezed orange juice. She... <laughs> She she is like the only thing that's going to go against her, and this is kind of an odd thing that Deidre and I are agreeing yet again on another one, uh, maybe teaming up against Dury, who knows? But um, she definitely was a more edgy, plucky uh, Lois Lane than um, Terry Hatcher. Terry Hatcher might have had real boobs, and they're fantastic, but that's not going to count much in the ring, and uh, also like. Margot Kidder smoking might hinder her in the later rounds, but I don't think it would make it past the first. We are, yeah, we have rounds now. <laughs> <laughs> are they just trading punches off? <laughs> Standing like two feet away from each other? <laughs> like a slap fight. 
Yeah, I think Margot Kidder's cigarette wouldn't even get knocked out of her mouth. <laughs> no way. I, I would see Margot Kidder basically having Terry Hatcher on her stomach and smashing her head into the mat of the Atomic Geek Super Fight Dome, saying, Say my name! Say my name! Say my name! Lois! <laughs> <laughs> For sure. There's now, no, I'm sorry, go ahead. T- sorry, Christian. Would, would Terry, like Terry Hatcher's, I don't watch Desperate Housewives, Mr. D. Giovanni, but... Um, is she a bit more plucky, moxie, toughy on that show? Like, is she an ass kicker on that show, or is she still wishy-washy Hatcher? Well, my wife doesn't watch uh, Desperate Housewives anymore, so uh, <laughs> but I can tell you that her character from the of the episodes that I was forced to watch, she was a clumsy oaf. Uh, that that was her. So it's like if she really hasn't changed. I mean, I'll be honest, I. Hardly saw. I saw very little of Lois and Clark, the new adventures of Superman. Uh, but what I did see, it was she was like, you know, it's like a Jennifer Aniston type of character in every goddamn movie that she ever plays. It was really done as schmaltzy. Uh, she didn't. I mean, she didn't have that moxie that we that uh, that Lois Lane kind of needs to have, and that Margot Kidder brought to yeah. life so well in the movies. Yeah, like there was the odd time in the movies that Margot Kidder was obviously in peril, and Superman had to save her. But I mean, it was pretty extreme. Um, but I mean, Terry Hatcher was. It seems like she was always in friggin' trouble. I mean, one of the things I have written down about her. I mean, she's uh, pretty good looking, but she's like I don't know what you call it, sitcom stupid. You know what I mean? Woo-hoo-hoo, you know, she doesn't have that toughness and grit that seems the Murgle Kiddo seems to naturally have. Oh, exactly. And you know what? But uh, you're if let's if we're talking. You know, looks to looks. I mean, I, I'm, I'm well, taking if, Terry Hatcher. Yeah, if it was a sleep, who you want to sleep with fight. Then you know I'm going to sleep with Terry Hatcher. Oh yeah, like then I, mm. I, I wouldn't sleep with Margot Kidder again. <laughs> I'd, I'd do Margot Kidder. You really? Really? Only because the quality of the Superman was that much better. <laughs> so you in so it like, makes me seem better. Trying to get a little closer to Christopher Reeve. Well, I was trying to think. Are you thinking you're going to maybe work a threesome in on this? No, I'm like one upping him, like the oh. real Superman. I'm getting with the real Superman's girl. So you, you hear that, Not Dean Kane? That's right. Yeah, that was directed at you, buddy. Go <laughs> back to your soap opera. That, that Dean, <laughs> Dean, Dean Kane was okay, but he always didn't seem right. There's something not right about him as Superman. It was, I don't know, he was too pretty or something. I don't know what it was. Too Hawaiian, perhaps? <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's pretty succinct there. I don't know how to, <laughs> oh, well, I like to apologize to all of our listeners in Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, you just hear Dury's door. Yeah, uh, Dean Kane's here to see you. <laughs> Are you just not wrong? Door, hello, the door opens. This giant fist comes out with a Hawaiian shirt sleeve oh. at the end of it. Is it is it wrong to call? Don't like the Hawaiians, huh? If I cross some line here, I didn't know about. Hang ten on this. <laughs> Look, my mom's half Hawaiian. All right. <laughs> no, obviously, you know. There, I don't even think there is a. Racial slur for Hawaiians. Well, wow, like probably you guys is. I feel like it's a disease, though. <laughs> it's on. Listen, I got nothing against some island jumpers for crying out loud. Oh my god! Uh. <laughs> I think you're right, though. I don't know if there is anything sort of any racist way to to make fun of Hawaiians. Jesus, <laughs> no. you live in a beautiful place, and life is the weather's good, That's uh. right. and pineapples are free. <laughs> 
I don't know. There's, there, I'm sure there is somewhere, somehow. There's racist friggin' never mind. <laughs> yeah. We'll stop this talk right now. <laughs> Next week. <laughs> so I think I think the the bottom line is that we uh, we all agree that basically Margot Kidder is kicking the living shit out of Terry Hatcher uh, in this one, but at least Lois Lane wins, so that makes us all better for it. Probably Dean Kane as well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, oh, let's get to our next matchup. In this corner, he's seven foot three, hailing from the planet Kashik, a big hairy beast that doesn't wear a stitch of clothing except for a bandolier and can fly a spaceship. I'm talking about Chewbacca. He wins. And in the other corner, born <laughs> on the matter. planet Kidamar, he's Klingon and a lieutenant colonel for the Starfleet. What is it? Is this called Starfleet? Isn't it? Starfleet Chewbacca. Enterprise. Chewbacca wins. For Starfleet. He's also known as Worf. All right, well, I'm not going to start with Dury, since he's made his point pretty clear. Uh, how about we start with you, Andrew? Aye, aye, aye. Um, this one's not as easy as it seems to Dury. Um, I would, Chewbacca's obviously a big, hairy, strong beast, which, you know, runs in my family. But uh, Worf is a highly trained security officer um, and also, you know, stronger than a regular human. He's got those things on his head and, to his advantage, has duplicates of all his vital organs. So I think um, it's I, this is a tough this is a tough one. I might have to go with Worf. Um, I know I can hear you over there. And I have a hard time picking. Well, I'm, I'm a double fan. Uh, not many people are. I like both Star Trek and Star Wars, which is like liking the Toronto Maple Leafs and Montreal Canadiens at the same time. Um, like by Sai. What are what are the, what are those? <laughs> what are those? What's a leaf? What's a Toronto Maple Leafs? <laughs> the Maple Leafs. The Maple Leafs. Um, they're my favorite hockey squadron. Yes. <laughs> those are the guys with the skates, that? right? Yes. So. Um, I'm gonna, I'm, I might have to stick with Worf only because of his training, his ability with lots of different weapons, um, and the fact that, like, I don't know, Chewbacca could maybe wrestle him. I don't know. I, Pull the I, arms I, I like off a Gundark? Well, I understand that, but you're not pulling Worf's ar- arms off that qu- that easily. I don't, I don't know. What's I, the I height what difference? a Gundark looks like. Chewbacca's <laughs> a lot taller than Worf. He's bigger and more imposing than Worf. And I will give you this. The, the, the one advantage that uh, Worf has is obviously he has more training. There's no question about that. He's, you know, he is a, a well-trained in uh, Starfleet, and he's also got, you know, in sort of Klingon battle techniques. I get that. I mean, he used that yeah. crazy blade. But uh, for sheer, like, power I, and unpredictability, too, let's be honest. The thing is a giant, walking, hairy, seven-foot-tall Wookiee. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chewbacca's, I think, going to edge this out. And I'm sorry to all the Star Trek fans in the world here. But, uh, you know, Chewbacca's tossing around stormtroopers like fucking cookies here. And Worf, as, you know, Klingon as this fucking guy was... Let's be honest, he was the pussiest fucking Klingon there was. You know, this guy was... when he was horny. This guy was the tab 
of of Klingon <laughs> soda pops. Like, like let's you know, like you see all the other Klingons, and they are fucking like monsters. If if, it, if we were if we were fighting anybody else, any other Klingons, I'd say Chewbacca may have his work cut out for him. You know, fucking uh, you know Klingons hanging out with you know getting duped by Ferengis and shit like that. I mean, I, I I'm sorry. Uh, Chewbacca is choking him, stomping him, throwing him around. Not oh, saying this is. I'm not saying this is going to be a complete walkover. This will be a good battle. There's no question about it. But I gotta, I gotta say, it goes to Chewie. Well, I completely agree with that. Do you want to go next? <laughs> no, you go ahead, Mark. You're a guest. You have a. You are allowed to go. You steal my thunder. Do what you okay, want. So Chewbacca <laughs> wins that one. The next um, versus <laughs> starts pulling out his own. <laughs> Gargamel versus Hannibal from the A-Team. <laughs> Excellent. Um, my thoughts in this fight are this. I mean, granted, uh, Chewbacca is a giant beast of a beast. Um, he's primal, you know, unsophisticated, and is just basically purely an animal that has, you know, at least some semblance of, you know, conformity and, and human graces. But Worf is also uh, somewhat primal. And this guy, from every time I watch friggin' Star Trek, this guy is in the holodeck training all the fucking time and talking about fighting and I'm going to be done killing and fighting and I'm fighting and I'm fighting. And I think this guy trains so much who actually is disciplined in the actual uh, art of fighting itself. I think he would friggin' kick the shit out of Chewbacca, in my opinion. I, I Sorry, man. The, the Wookiees are a race of warriors as well. Dude, so are the Klingons. I mean, you, no, okay, you, you've said your piece. If I can... If I can just come out and say, yeah, I, I get it that Worf is kind of, you say, the pussy of all of them. He might be a little more civilized than the others, but he's even respected in the Klingon circles as being a great warrior. The guy has fought, you know, three or four of his own Klingons and kicked their asses at the same time. He's seriously a fighter, and he's, I mean, the character is supposed to be one hell of a fighter. And really, Chewbacca, yes, strong. I don't see him pulling moves or doing anything other than choking Lando Calrissian and throwing a stormtrooper here or there. Didn't doesn't really and you know gotta love Chewbacca. I love him, but uh, I I seriously I side with Christian on this one. I think Worf and his technical ability, unlike not unlike GSP and his ability to adapt to his fights, Warrior uh, Worf would um, outsmart and and beat up Chewbacca. Wow. That's a deadlock, isn't it, right now? We're two to two. All right, then. Well, let's go to the Atomic Geek Super Fight Dome uh, coin decider. If Hold on one more point before you do it. Yes? Chewbacca has beautiful eyes. <laughs> Wait a second. I changed my mind. No. Let's flip the coin. If it's heads, Chewbacca wins. It's yeah, tails. Like... Worf wins. Yay. I still yeah. I don't like it decided that way. I think... Christian, you put on a Chewbacca outfit. DJ, you dress up like war. Go, fight. <laughs> All right, let's get to our next matchup. In the first corner, he's a suicidal homicide detective for the LAPD. Some have called him a lethal weapon. I'm talking about Martin Riggs. And in the next corner, he's a retired special operations oper- operator who once led an elite military unit. He now lives secluded in the mountains with his daughter, Jenny. You know him as Colonel John Matrix. And finally, <laughs> in the third corner, 
He's a 30-year member of the New York Police Department. He's the perpetual fly in the ointment. You know him as John McClain. <laughs> so there we go. we got John McClain, obviously Bruce Willis's character from Die Hard. Martin Riggs. Uh, he's uh, basically uh, Mel Gibson's character from the Lethal Weapon movies. And John Matrix, portrayed by Arnold Schwarzenegger in... Commando. Now, this uh, question particularly was inspired by Tired Canadian. He actually suggested that uh, uh, Mad Max, basically, versus Martin Riggs. And I thought, well, I would sooner pull out a, a three-way battle between these action heroes. So well, That's a question. Christian, is it a three-way? They're all fighting at the same time? Or yes, you... they, are, they are all fighting at the same time, as in they are plunked into the uh, Atomic Geek Super Fight Dome at the same time, and only one man may leave. Or they could all they get in a Mexican standoff and just all blow each other away. That is also That's a possibility, fun. but in this the Super Fight Dome, there has to be a winner. So the winner would be the last person to be alive. So <laughs> let's start off with your thoughts on this epic battle, Mark Dury. Oh, jeez, uh, I may uh, I may pass the baton and just sort of hear what other people say first. <laughs> all right, you big pick, pussy. Pick whatever they say. How about you, Mister DiGiovanni? Well, you know, this is a great, great, great matchup. First of all, this one it was a lot of fun to kind of uh, think about because these are all pretty cool characters. Okay, so if, I mean, and but one of them is arguably uh, a little bit more of my favorite. Die Hard uh, is still in the top five of all time of my favorite movies. Uh, granted, uh, you know, some of the other Die Hards as they went on got a, a bit shitty. But I think the I love John McClane's character. But now, if I want to start actually thinking about this head to head, you know, all these characters are pretty cool. You forget that even though it's a complete, terribly bad, laughably bad B movie, Commando, his character uh, is pretty badass. I mean, he's using missile launchers. Uh, you know, he's using some great puns. Uh, and and then you get to Mel Gibson's character. Uh, he is a complete loose cannon, if there ever was one, that is for sure. He basically puts, he, he likes to put himself in harm's way in hopes that someone will put himself out of, put him out of his own misery. So that's sort of a dangerous dude, man. He's got kind of a death wish, okay? So putting all three of these fucking guys together, this is a crazy melee. I was like, how do you determine a winner here? You know, Arnold Schwarzenegger's character from Commando is just a one-man wrecking machine. The other guy's got this death wish. He's fucking off the wall crazy, Martin Riggs. But the one determining factor in this fight is John McClane survives. There's If he does anything better than any other action hero, he survives incredibly tough situations, okay? <laughs> When, even when he's completely by himself and his back is against the wall. I'm not saying he is going to take some serious fucking ass kicking, but McLean will figure out a way to simply survive. So I've got to say the last man standing will be John McLean. See, I, I see what you're saying there, and, and there's a couple of ways to look at this. I think, yeah, John McLean, I would rank up there with the smartest of the three, and he would probably stand back and let the other two battle it out. But he's also the one with the least amount of combat training um, or sort of experience in that way. Like you've got uh, Schwarzenegger's character who, you know, was special ops. He can obviously a very strong man, can fight all sorts of ways. 
And then um, Martin Riggs is a karate kicking specialist who, you know, has the hair and can <laughs> fight like no man's business. Like, I think he didn't he fight Jet Li on the front lawn and kick his ass. But he also so, struggled with Gary Busey. Like, let's be honest. Gary Busey does have that huge mouth. Now, <laughs> the, the only thing, like, the thing I'll say is, is I agree with what you're saying. John McClane does find a way to survive, but all of these guys do. John, um, Martin Riggs survives every movie and every situation he gets into. Uh, Schwarzenegger's character, I don't even think he gets cut or punched or hit. <laughs> in any of his movies and that's a, I mean that's the bad side to it and that's why uh, you gotta love Die Hard so much because John McClane takes his beats but uh, Schwarzenegger's character doesn't get touched in his movies and I think that's going to be to his advantage um, for sure and uh, this is this is not an easy one because, but I think McClane's going down and I think it's going to be between Martin Riggs and uh, John Matrix um, and you know what I'm going to have to go with uh, Schwarzenegger because because of the way the movies are, he doesn't get touched. He doesn't get hit, doesn't get punched. Nothing happens to him. He only made one movie. There was only yeah. one Commando. Like, well, I don't want to choose him. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but, I mean, just, just based on that, like, I like they the other two all characters. the action into one film. That's true. They had so much <laughs> action. But Martin Martin Riggs is, 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 a, is a great character as well. And uh, although not as timeless as as John McClane. So, I don't know, this is tough for a, for a three-way. Maybe I'll just say McClane's first out for me. Well, I, I think it's, uh, I think I could see Riggs maybe being one of the first ones out just because he maybe doesn't care about winning. He shoot himself, <laughs> kind of, shoot himself right off the bat. <laughs> yeah, or you'll think he's down and it's really just his shoulders busted again and he's going to pop it back in and whatever. Um, I always remember Commando as just being, uh, it was one of my favorite films as a, you know, a, a young guy. Um, but even at the time, you could appreciate how comical it was that just nobody can frigging hit him. Like, you gotta have, you know, just legions of these, uh, guys working for, uh, the big bad guy, all firing from the hip with their, their automatic weapons, and nothing's getting near him. It's almost like he just has this force field around him, and, uh, I don't know. I mean, luck uh, is better than skill in many ways, and as much luck as John McClane has, I think Schwarzenegger has more skill, and I'd probably go with Commando on this one. Wow. I'm actually quite surprised. I, I kind of knew that DJ would definitely go with John McClane. Uh, in my opinion about this fight, uh, I think both Martin Riggs and McClane were both characters that, you know, are these guys that get the shit kicked out of them, and they're, they keep kind of fighting back. But I think in this fight, these two would cancel each other out. Because, I mean, I'm sorry, but, I mean, first of all, it's a crime of crime of the century that this character that Schwarzenegger played in Commando was not made into another another sequel. Because this guy was like friggin' Rambo to a certain degree on steroids, man. This guy was badass. He could smell his opponents coming. Even at the beginning of the movie when they got that Colombian guy to come there and negotiate with him, this is what we got planned. He just shoots him in the head and says, fuck you, and just takes off after them. And I tell you, pound for pound, this movie is filled with some of the best catchphrases, <laughs> one after the other, and in comparison to any other movie I've friggin' heard of. I mean, I gotta say, John Matrix is essentially a friggin' superhero, and I would actually pick him as well to win this fight. Can you imagine the beginning of this fight? Nobody would fight for like five minutes because they'd be so busy calling each other out and saying stupid quips at each other. <laughs> you come here. You- 
What's the matter with you? Like, they just be yelling at each other for, like, five minutes. I'm going to kill you last. Who? Me or him? You first, yeah. then him last. <laughs> <laughs> and fucking Martin Riggs would be doing his fucking, uh, you know, Three Larry Stooges Wolf. fucking bullshit. Yo, yo, yo. That's right. <laughs> I don't care. Kill me. I'm suicidal, and I drink. <laughs> so there is some movie coming out shortly with a bunch of big action heroes. Like all together, right? Oh, um, what's the that? Expendables? Yeah, it's like a Stallone a, thing. Yeah, but I would love to see like a John McClane, Martin Riggs, like you know, cop buddy film. You know, like you know, it takes place in New York and L.A., like something like that. But did you hear the, the this uh, film, uh, the the Expendables that Stallone is actually directed? I believe it has like Jason Statham. It's got uh, Dolph Lundgren. It's got Jet Li. Uh, it's got uh, uh, Randy Couture from the UFC. It's got Steve Austin from uh, Wrestling Days. But, yeah, the wrestler guy. What's his yeah, face? But there is a uh, a scene where Bruce Willis and Arnold Schwarzenegger are in the movie. It's <laughs> Stallone. So the three of them have a scene together, <laughs> yeah. which uh, which I think has just got classic written all I, over I, it. I have to basically see this in the theater based on that friggin' meeting alone. Jesus yeah, Christ. yeah, that's yeah. awesome. But it, but that that's not enough, though. Like you know what they he they should just dangle these little pieces out to fanboys like that, and you know we go crazy for him. But I mean, why not make the movie? What the fuck else are you doing? Yeah, uh, and it's governing like, a, con- uh, a state. Yeah, well, okay, he's excused at least. <laughs> he's excused, but here's a question: What the fuck was Steven Seagal and Jeff Speakman doing that they couldn't be in this goddamn movie? Speakman. You know, it's like Jean-Claude Van Damme is trying to take himself as a serious actor. I would be all over this fucking movie if I was him. Yeah. Yeah, Were they even asked? I would think probably. I mean, why would you not? Yeah, no no shit. Steven Seagal. Well, let's see. Reality series where I pretend I'm a cop or blockbuster movie. What should I do? Ponytail. Mm. Answer my question. <laughs> not that not that those guys are in the same league as uh, Martin Riggs and the John McClane's. I get that, uh, but you know, or obviously Arnold Schwarzenegger. But they would have been, to complete this sort of what Stallone is trying to do with this movie, like an, an '80s action movie. Now, Christ, man, it would to, to have had Van Damme and Seagal, and you know, maybe. Uh, Remo Williams, whoever the fuck his name, whoever the Fred Ford. Uh, <laughs> wasn't Remo Williams? He was in Naked Gun Thirty Three and a Third, wasn't yeah, he? He's also in Tremors. What's that guy's name? It's Fred, Fred something. Yeah. Fred Ward. You know what Fred the best thing about Re- you know what the best thing about the Remo Williams movie is? They really thought they were going to strike it rich with that because that movie's called Remo Williams: The Adventure Begins. <laughs> and now, if you buy the DVD, it says, "And obviously, never continues." <laughs> He's very optimistic. I remember that movie when he was at the, at the Statue of Liberty. He was running across that big freaking uh, spot of wet cement, you know, running on top, and all those guys running after him fall right through the cement anyway. <laughs> That'd be cool. I wonder how uh, Rambo would do in our little matchup. Speaking of Stallone. What, and, and among these, the, oh, what? Among those three, you add in a fourth person, Rambo. I wonder how he'd do against, like, McLean or John Matrix even. Oh, that's a good question. First Blood Rambo or Rambo th- or Three Rambo or Rambo Four Rambo? First Blood Rambo. Oh, First Blood? Well, forget it. It's still John Matrix. Because as Rambo got into, like, Rambo Part 2 and 3, especially Part 3, if I remember, then he became that superhuman, I'm taking on the entire fucking army. Yeah, I'm taking where- on Afghanistan with a bow and arrow. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> but it's a flaming arrow. <laughs> well, it looks like i just taken a gulp of my old Milwaukee ice. Oh, it's cold and icy. Um, looks like uh, John Matrix is the big winner for that round, fellas. All right, so let's get to our uh, next matchup, which is kind of the last of our uh, uh, Star Wars versus Star Trek uh, series I seem to have created here. And uh, let's start it off. In this corner, the highly modified YT-1300 light freighter, whose design was inspired by a hamburger, has made the Kessel Run in less than 12 parsecs. I'm talking about the Millennium Falcon. And in the other corner, this is a funky spaceship that's exploring the final frontier in the year 2372. If you're wearing a red shirt on this vessel, you might want to arrange for shore leave real quick, like. I'm talking about the Enterprise. <laughs> Ring that bell. Ding, ding, ding. Mr. DiGiovanni, let's hear your thoughts. Well, this one is uh, a pretty awesome matchup, and I'm glad you thought about it. Um, and you know what? I'm really going to go against type here. I've got to tell you, I think the Enterprise wins this battle hands fucking down. And I know, uh, you know, we talked about I am a, you know, a, a lifelong Star Wars fan. I don't dislike Star Trek. I know we may make that sound uh, throughout the podcast here, but, I, you know, I like some Star Trek. But you know what? And, I mean, I love the Millennium Falcon. I had it as a toy as a kid. I still love uh, the design of it. I love seeing it in the movies. But let's be honest here, people. This is the pride of the Federation going against a pretty much a freighter. That's what you're talking about here. The Enterprise is loaded with firepower. It has the shields that the fucking uh, Millennium Falcon's not going to be able to touch. And when you really think about it, the and most of the times that you recall the Millennium Falcon from the Star Wars films, they were running. All they ever did in that ship generally was, let's get the fuck out of here. Like, they were leaving, and every time they went to leave, they couldn't even jump to fucking uh, warp because the ship was such a piece of shit. You know, I know it did the Kessel Run, but, I mean, it didn't work very well. You're talking about the Enterprise that went into battle constantly. This thing has been through wars i'm not to say that the the millennium falcon didn't see its time of battles but man i'm sorry you're talking about a you know the the highest order of ship against a broken down freighter vessel owned by a smuggler well the enterprise gotta win yeah and i i I, i'm gonna agree with you here i think that this is our biggest lopsided matchup and and not that it's a bad matchup it's something that you have to see but it's just sheer size of the uh, Enterprise versus the Millennium Falcon. Granted, the Millennium Falcon did hide from the uh, Imperial Star Cruiser. Yeah, sure, it can run, it can hide, but it's just not, like, hands down, it's getting destroyed and in short order. I hate to say it, but that's just the way it is. Dury? Yeah, I think I'd probably have to agree with that. I mean, uh, especially in the sense that it's really just kind of a lopsided uh, matchup. It's um, the comparisons to a Star Destroyer are probably pretty accurate. You know, if you're if you're putting a, the Enterprise up against one of those, maybe you know, it'd yeah, be a, a different yeah. outcome. But uh, you know, but you got to keep in mind the Falcon is a, a ship that can be run by two people. And yeah. you couldn't do that with the Enterprise. You can't land it on a planet, can you? 
I don't it, think. Oh yeah, some Any? kind of way. I don't <laughs> Unless know. you're an it's android. But you, uh, yeah, like it does have that J- John McClane ability to get out of trouble. We're talking about the Millennium Falcon here, but I'm sorry, it just like it's it's tiny lasers are not going to even break through the shields. In fact, it would probably be more of an annoyance than a fight. The the Enterprise would just keep on trucking and not even look back at it. Yeah, or it would be that Han Solo would land it somewhere on. Yeah. The now if they got in, if they landed and, and, and got inside, everybody. if they landed and got inside, I bet you. Uh, then Chewbacca would fight Worf. <gasps> Chewbacca would fight all <laughs> get to Worf and then. Or they find the, the find the trash compactor on the Enterprise, which I don't think has ever been seen in the entire television series. <laughs> um, yeah, I got th- when I think about it now in retrospect, it is a bit of a lopsided battle. I mean, I, when I looked up uh, doing the research for this for the, on both ships, it's like you know the friggin' Enterprise has a crew of like what four hundred people for crying out loud, and, and, I, and you know putting that those numbers in my head, I thought to myself, well, Millennium Falcon is basically very small. I would think it was very very small compared to the Enterprise for one. It's yeah, like a warship like, going up almost against a motorboat. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. You know, it's it literally is. I mean, there, it, there is no. I mean, it's a great head-to-head when you think of the two universes where everyone always wants to parallel. You know, what's better, Star Wars, Star Trek? So I I like the, the this battle, but when you really start to take your Star Wars fanboy hat off and think about the two vessels, it's a no contest. And I think Andrew may be right. This might be next to Terry Hatcher, you know, uh, vomiting in a pool of her own blood, this is probably <laughs> the most lopsided battles we've had yet. Yeah, I could, I could I, I see I think that. the Falcon could beat the Enterprise's shuttle, though. Yeah. Yes. That might be fair. You know, maybe <laughs> if you have Geordi in the shuttle against, you know, the Millennium Falcon, then we got the Millennium Falcon might be able to kick some ass, but against the Enterprise, no no way. Yeah, I could I can see that friggin' on the bridge right now, you know, Jean Luc Picard. What's this? The Millennium Falcon. Fire photon fire photon depletos. All right, let's go to Riza. <laughs> <laughs> Well, obviously, it looks like the Enterprise wins that one. So there's one for you, Star Trek fans. You can uh, celebrate in your Star Trek pants all night long. All right, well, let's get to our final battle uh, before we get into our atomic picks. I, I like to think this is a match for the ages. Uh, people will be probably talking about this fight for years to come. So let's get to the matchup in this corner. He's a vampire who feasts on breakfast cereal. Or chocolate, or cocoa beans, I don't friggin' know. You know him as Count Chocula. In the other corner, he's a professional sailor, and the commander of his boat, the good ship Guppy. He fights a vigilant battle against breakfast cereal moistness. You know him as Captain Crunch. Now I'm going to uh, start this uh, start this fight off by asking a resident serial expert, uh, Mr. D. Giovanni, what his thoughts are on this topic. Well, first of all, I've got to say that was the best intro we've had yet. <laughs> and I did, I really pushed hard in campaign that Christian included this battle. So I either thank you, Christian, and I apologize to all of our listeners. Um, first of all, uh, what the fuck is? 
Count Chocula. Like, really? We know he's a vampire, but you know you brought that up. It's like... That was when I was... I was I'm, I'm, I'm actually doing the research. I'm trying to write a tagline for him and find out more about the character. Let me tell you right now, there is nothing about the character Count Chocula. He is basically <laughs> ripe for, you know, interpretation by anybody. You know what I mean? Let's wreck on him. He's mysterious. <laughs> yeah, like, he's an awesome... Like... He's an awesome character. I love the fucking monster serial guys. I mean, from I'm speaking from my childhood here. But you think about it, it's like, it's a vampire. Does he suck chocolate? I mean, like, yeah, I, like I, I first mean, of all, okay, there's a lot of questions you have to ask. First of all, is he undead, right? And if he's undead, then does he survive by eating chocolate or breakfast yes. cereal or what does he like? I'm going to say he is because his friends are like Frankenberry and Booberry and... Uh, yummy Mummy, Fruit Brute. Yummy Mummy, I guess, yeah. And uh, they're all undead, so... And he survives by eating chocolate. He eats chocolate bunnies, so then he stays away from the chocolate humans because he's trying to be nicer. There's a theory. <laughs> okay, so he's a chocolate... Uh, an undead entity that has to feast on chocolate... In order to survive, so that yes, now it makes sense. No, but, but, because, uh, but, but, but because he's a he's a he's a symbol for a breakfast cereal. Does that mean he is able to come out during the day? Well, I would think so because they well, had a lot of run-ins with children out. In, like, not I don't recall a lot of the some of the the commercials. If you YouTube them, they do have them at night. But as they kind of went on, they started interacting with kids and stuff like that. So I think the the common effects of you know light and garlic didn't affect the uh, chocolate. <laughs> so uh, that's what it should have been. <laughs> no, it was vegetables that affected him. If he ate any Brussels sprouts, he would die. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Getting to the battle, uh, you know, we've talked a lot. We've talked a lot about uh, Chocula, but let's get let's focus a little bit now here on the good old Cap'n, and it's not Captain, it's Catherine. Oh yeah, if I, you I, must I, know. You are correct. Yes, but uh, but the other thing is, I don't know if this is a little uh, known, unknown fact that not many people know. In 2007, they actually revealed Captain Crunch's full name. And it's Captain Horatio Magellan Crunch, if you must know. <laughs> oh, nice. And the captain, pretty much, as Christian said, he had a long, diehard battle to keep cereal and breakfast, for that matter, crunchy. He had a lot of uh, – he was constantly and very vigilant in this case. Like, he didn't just fight – uh, the Soggies, which a lot of us know. Oh my God, he also fought the Barefoot Pirate and the Crunchium Thieves. So, <laughs> yes, the Barefoot Pirate, also known as Jean Lafoot. <laughs> Christian has obviously researched at the same websites that I have. So, Captain is well schooled uh, in the ways of battle. Okay, he has fought the Soggies, these white blob-like wet beings. Uh, who have dedicated their life to, you know, prematurely dampening breakfast cereals. <laughs> but he, my point is, the captain is... Uh, she have made that grosser. <laughs> I know. <laughs> There's a joke in there somewhere. Shooting themselves in the faces of people everywhere. <laughs> oh, Jesus. But the, but, the, but the captain here, let's see, Captain Horatio basically was a vigilant warrior in his means. Okay, regardless of the fact, you know, and I'm sorry if Downs would be picking Count Chocula here, besides the fact <laughs> that this started? guy is a supposed vampire, what did Count Chocula do every time we saw him? All he ever did was he battled with his buddies 
to basically tout their own cereal. And then they were absolutely terrified by anything that interrupted them talking about their cereals. And most often, the things that interrupted them were children. So these fucking, um, a.k.a., I'm using air quotes now, monsters, were are fucking pussies. They are the atomic geeks of the monster world. <laughs> like commissioned salesmen. Or <laughs> so I'm, I, I got to say, man, the captain, based off of his experience and his resume, and his resume is basically a group of fucking commercials, uh, he, I, think he's be, I think he's knocking Captain, or Count Chocula the fuck out. That's pretty sound reasoning. I, I, I mean, geez, yeah, I, I don't know nearly as much as DJ does, but I think he's won me over. Captain Crunch has, has, has cut the shit out of the roof of my mouth more than a, a few oh, times. Yeah. Uh, so I, I already kind of hold him in some degree of respect. Yeah, that was the thing about that cereal. <laughs> whenever whenever I had actually had a bowl of it, I actually would have wanted to make sure that it was actually a little bit moist before I ate it. Because if, if you eat it too soon, you're shredding your mouth for crying out loud. you got blood yeah. in your cereal bowl. Christian Terry Hatcher's blood. <laughs> and and see, Count Chocula wouldn't like that. Ooh, there's blood in here. Gross. Uh, you know, I mean. <laughs> that's not chocolate. That's not chocolate at all. <laughs> disappear. I think he had, like, uh, you got to say, anything undead has got to be able to fight or something. Uh, Count Chocula's lame. I don't even know if he had, did he have fangs? Were they real? He probably fell uh, out from cavities. Yeah, <laughs> he's... <laughs> All the sugar. Stay away Although he's sugar. undead, he still must obey the laws of proper dental hygiene. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, like, I figured originally looking at it, like, Captain doesn't even, he's not even really a captain, because they can't give him the full title of captain. It's just some made-up shit that he did for himself to try and lure kids onto his ship. <laughs> so Captain Crunch is a pedophile now, according to Andrew Blue. Well, and then, and then the other one, the other guys are trying to get kids to come out at night and hang out with them to eat yeah, chocolate. Candy. <laughs> there wasn't very much non-perverted about those commercials at all. What is you your problem? What? What is your problem with actual uh, <laughs> breakfast cereal icons and pedophilia for crying out loud? Well, you're they're both. Uh, Trying to get kids involved. <laughs> hey, come aboard my guppy and see my see my sword. Jeez. That, look at look at per, these perverted semen. You know, oh, look out! Oh, for the, oh, 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 oh for the soggies! <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell your parents. Don't tell your parents. Oh, Jesus. Oh, I'm glad we saved this one for last because usually all the kids have gone to bed at this point. <laughs> Although uh, I, I'll, ha- I'll say I'll hand it to Captain Research over there. Um, <laughs> Count Chocula I've wasted really, my life. <laughs> Count Chocula really didn't do much. Like I thought originally, yeah, Count Chocula, hundred percent. He's a Count. He's Chocula, but he uh, could turn into a vam- uh, uh, a bat, I guess. But really, he, could he turn he into was, a? Did, did, he had I actual he vampire did. powers. I think he did. Maybe I'm mistaken, but. DJ will look it up and tell me about it later. I think he yeah. did in a couple of the commercials. I'm sure he did. Like, yeah. But, I mean, yeah, granted. But the captain was kind of a bumbling idiot. And, seriously, he was, like, he was gayer than gay. The captain, we haven't captain heard wasn't bumbling like, idiot. How, how has his, his campaign of violence gone, actually? We haven't heard any updates in a while. I haven't heard anything for a while. I don't know if he's been... He journeyed to the center of the earth to find Crunchium and never returned. 
I think he's, 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 yeah, I think he's been in the, in the Far East trying to establish uh, breakfast cereal trade routes. <laughs> well, you know who was creepy though you know when you think about it that fucking tricks rabbit was really creepy though <laughs> trying to be a kid here we go Joseph has <laughs> waiting for an opportunity to talk about goddamn breakfast cereal mascots for over 40 episodes for christ's sake and here's his chance i got an opening i gotta go for it <laughs> Oh, yes, the Tricks Rabbit. He is crazy. I wonder why. <laughs> He's a cartoon. Oh, Hello? so you're not going to tell us? <laughs> no, I thought, I mean, we were, to, no, but I mean, like, he was always just as pedophile fucking version as Bloom was talking about with they the Tricks. Think of a thing, and look at my Lucky Charms and all the things. <laughs> they were terribly, but like. Or that cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs bird. A, that guy was crazy. No, no, think about it, too. Uh, Lucky, when you actually think about this, he didn't want to really be around the kids. He was constantly hiding from them. Mm, that's he, true. You know, the kids were, like, stalking him. You know what? You've got yeah, a whole episode where the stuff given, here, you're going to... He was you're given gonna, uh, a restraining order to stay away from kids. <laughs> no, he was like a celebrity. He was the <laughs> Brad Pitt of uh, breakfast cereal mascots because they just people were chasing him down all the time, and he had to hide from them, where the fucking... The the goddamn uh, tricks rabbit was dressing up and trying, you yes. know, dress- yeah, like if, if you're the if you're the the spokesperson for a cereal, wouldn't you be a little pissed off if they wouldn't give you some of it? We're gonna put you on the box, but you can't have any. <laughs> Why is he on the box then? Have kids on the front what? with some rabbit in the background trying well, to get this uh, Ladies and gentlemen, that ends another episode of the McLaughlin Group. <laughs> I want to thank all of my guests for attending. <laughs> We gotta do. Obviously, we have to do an episode on, or at least a half an episode on breakfast cereals sometime in the future. Too late, it's done. It might be a soliloquy just by me. I'm thinking, <laughs> <laughs> like soul podcast, and then we move on to booberry. <laughs> there you go. Well, I think that we ended up with a pretty barn burner of a matchup for uh, for crying out loud. That was a lot of fun. Um, like I said before on episode 14, I guarantee that we are going to do uh, this episode. Again, uh, now, if Mr. Downs was uh, able to make it tonight, uh, we would have talked about uh, that that fantastic pool poll. That's all the all the buzz on our website. Where who would win in a match between the four Atomic Geeks? Uh, sorry, Mark Dur, you're not on that poll. Uh, but so I think we might want to save that conversation for another episode. And, and uh, if you're listening, vote for Andrew. Come on. <laughs> Two people? And one of them is me? It's like, come on, people. I'm uh, Harry, and I got Fists of Fury. Why don't we save that till next week? Uh, give uh, give fans a little bit more time to vote, vote, vote. Let's uh, let's move on to our atomic picks, and uh, let's let our uh, guest guest uh, host, uh, Mr. Mark Dury, start us off. Um, okay. Well, I'm actually going to just uh, point you at two trailers um the first one i'll just sort of quickly touch on it uh because i don't know if all you guys have seen it yet or not but uh apparently um clash of the titans has been remade with a lot of money and some actually recognizable stars i don't think uh what's his name harry hamlin is in this one uh there's like liam neeson rafe fines um what's his name that guy that's in avatar and was in a the Terminator movie from last year, uh, Sam something or other. Anybody ring a bell there? Worthington. 
Worthington, yes, thank you. Uh, I guess he's the the main star of this. But uh, if you like 300 and Lord of the Rings movies like that, it looks like it's meant to sort of sit between those on your DVD shelf there or your torrent file, whatever. <laughs> um, it looks pretty kick-ass. Uh, the trailer is a little different. It kind of goes with the, the heavy metal uh, soundtrack kind of take on things. But uh, some real money and uh, geeky love went into this one. So uh, I'm kind of looking forward to that. Go check out the trailer for that. Uh, and the other thing is this totally geeky project. You guys can stop me if I've, maybe I've, you guys have talked about this already. I don't know. It's called Star Wars Uncut. Ring a bell? I haven't heard of oh. this. Okay. Star Wars Uncut. Dot com um, is this site where they've taken the original Star Wars film and they've broken it up into 15 second clips and they've what they're doing is they're letting people sign up on the website you pick a scene that you like and you reenact it either through motion graphics or stop motion or with your friends acting however you want like it can be friggin claymation and then the whole movie is going to be reassembled back you know in continuity with everybody having made different scenes. So it basically the, 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 the whole style of the film is changing every 15 seconds. And they've released a trailer for it. You can search for Star Wars Uncut trailer on uh, your internet there, and it'll bring it up. Or you can go to StarWarsUncut.com, and I think there may even be a couple 15-second uh, segments available to grab. And it's, by all indications so far, it's been a huge success. And I'm sure they're going to be moving on to Empire Strikes Back and other films soon. This is really kind of the the cutting edge of fan-made filmdom on the Internet, and it uh, looks to be a lot of fun. So check those out. I didn't get to participate in it this time. It was kind of already far gone by the time I found out about it, but maybe some of you out there would like it. Well, that That's sounds, my picks. That sounds pretty freaking cool. Uh, Mr. Uh, DiGiovanni, your pick, please. Well, seeing as how this was the Versus episode, I thought I would recommend quite aptly a, a film that I just saw recently, and it was Monsters vs. Aliens. Uh, and uh, this is the DreamWorks CGI uh, animated film. And i got to say, if you haven't seen this, it's a pretty fun little flick. Uh, and it's probably the best thing that Kiefer Sutherland has done in a long time. He plays a, a small supporting role in it, and he's quite funny. Uh, this, this is, if, if you've seen the trailers for it, uh, it's definitely a fun little movie about uh, a group of monsters, which is written, uh, led by a, uh, an incredibly tall woman and amongst other little, and a, a mad scientist who is also a bug. And they have to stop an invading forces of aliens. And I gotta say, really good, uh, good film. DreamWorks has really become a pretty good competitor to Pixar. They're not at that level, but their little roster of films that they've put out are pretty decent, and you can usually trust them in the glut of CGI animated films that are out there right now. So if you haven't seen Monsters vs. Aliens, it's on DVD and Blu-ray now. Check it out. Andrew Bloom. All right, two, two uh, quick things. One, uh, started watching, finally, uh, Season 3 of Californication. Although it started out a bit bumpy, uh, I'm starting to get back into it for sure. That's a great show. And uh, the second one I have is a book. And I was told by Mr. DiGiovanni that this book was out there, so I ran out immediately and picked it up. It's a, well, using air quotes, graphic novel by Bill Willingham, the author of Fables, called Peter and Max. And it's more like a novel that has a couple of pictures throughout it. 
And uh, this is the story of uh, Peter Piper and his brother, Max. Um, and it is set in the fables verse. And it is an excellent read. Um, I loved every second of it. Up until the end, I will say it is a bit short in the end. It, it's almost like he ran out of time or pages or ink, and he had to get through it. But I really couldn't get enough of this book while reading it. And uh, I would suggest two things. One, if you haven't read Fables yet, what the hell are you waiting for? And two, if you enjoy Fables um, or need to be introduced to it, pick up this book, Peter and Max, by Bill Willingham. Sounds interesting. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we've, we've actually mentioned these, the, the Fables quite a few times. And mm-hmm. you know, once again, I'll say, you know, pick that shit up. That's friggin' interesting as hell. I friggin' love the Fables. My wife loves the Fables. Duda, Duda, well, Duda. And this, this book's right in those same veins. It, it's, it, he's an excellent writer. Well, there you go. So pick up those friggin' books, stupid. Um, uh, my atomic pick this week, uh, I think I've actually mentioned this before. Uh, it's a, it's an animated, uh, cartoon series. It's now into season three. And, uh, if you live in the United States, you have the ability to watch these shows as they are broadcast on television. But being as a Canadian, I'm sorry, but I have to say, I have to illegally download episodes of the Venture Brothers, uh, because um, if I wait for my Canadian networks to broadcast the new season, I'll be friggin' waiting for the rest of my life. Uh, I've watched uh, the first uh, three episodes of the new season, and can I even say this? It's actually gotten a lot even stranger and out of control than the first couple of seasons. This friggin' series is fucking awesome from beginning to end. If you have never seen The Venture Brothers, you must watch it. Watch all the early episodes and watch the new season. Uh, it's it's something that cannot be missed. So uh, that'll about do it for another episode of the Atomic Geeks podcast, episode 41. Uh, if uh, you want to be really nice, uh, actually, I'm going to sell this a bit more. We want more iTunes reviews. We do not have enough. I don't think we've sold these iTunes reviews enough. <laughs> we need more. Uh, also, we also are on Twitter. You can find us there as well. Facebook, we have a Facebook page. Just look for the Atomic Geeks. But more importantly, you can find us at theatomicgeeks.com. We're there all the time talking about stuff and interacting with our fellow listeners. Uh, that'll about do it. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you soon. See, I always fuck it up at the end. The see you soon. See, like, what am I going to see them? That. I'm not going to see you, but, and I'm never going to see you. You've just listened to another episode of The Atomic Geeks. Visit us at theatomicgeeks.com. Production by Andrew Bloom. Title track by Don't Look Down. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm never gonna see. I'm never. I'm, I'm ne- Sorry. No. You, what you should have said was, "Hear me soon." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, jerks.